So let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you will, as we have sung, speak your word, implant it in us, and let it bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit that reflects Jesus for your glory. Amen. The early Christians, particularly those of the second century, they were accused of being cannibals. You know who cannibals are? People who eat human flesh and drink human blood. I know that is very graphic. You don't want that this morning, but it's not my fault. We'll see that it's not my fault in a minute. So they were accused. And why were they accused um, of this? Because they practiced what the Lord had instructed them. The Lord Jesus had instructed them to do. And perhaps let me take the passage further. John chapter 6 verse 54 and 56. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. The Lord Jesus says that whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. That is a day of judgment. Verse 56. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. What is he talking about? Eating somebody's, his flesh and drinking his blood. Now when we eat food and we drink drinks, we drink water or whatever um, you drink when eating. It gets into our bodies. It gets into us. It's not a very great illustration because um, biologically, the waste also goes out. But at least have that in mind. When, when you take in food, the food becomes part of your body. Uh, that's how we grow. We have to eat. We say to people, if you don't eat, you will die over time. So we eat so that somehow through some biological mechanisms, the food becomes part of us. Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, you will live. You will live forever. I will raise you up even when you are dead physically. I'll raise you up on the last day. Everyone who has died a Christian will be raised up on the last day when Jesus returns. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Now, people during Jesus' uh, during the early centuries were confused about this. What the heck is he talking about as the Americans who put it? What is he really talking about? Now, we also get confused. Let's face it. We get confused about a number of things. We get confused about this feeding on his flesh stuff, drinking his blood, Pictures and imageries that he uses in John 15, the vine and the branch, what is he talking about? Living water for drinking, dying on our behalf, we assume we know, but really come to think of it, he illustrates uh, the church as a building where Jesus himself is the cornerstone. Um, he illustrates believers like us together, like the human body, and he says that we have parts and that Christ, we are the body of Christ. Christ is the church. What is he really talking about? The spirit indwells us. God the word became flesh. Christ was raised from the dead on our behalf. Now, all of them point to one thing. 
all of them point to the fact that salvation, that is, being rescued from God's judgment on the world, God's holy judgment on the world because of our rebellion against his kinship, being rescued from that is impossible unless your life, unless you are in Christ and Christ is in you by faith in him. Now I'll explain a little bit uh, further as we go on. We, we know, Paul puts it later and says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. When Jesus, when the word became flesh, when the word took on human form, he has made it possible. Jesus made it possible for God to bring humanity to be united with him. So when we say in salvation we have life, it's not life outside of anything. It is God's life that he gives to us. This life is Jesus. How do we experience it? By faith in Jesus, we are brought into union with him. Now that is how we experience it. Salvation is not that you trust in Jesus and Jesus is there and Jesus gives you something and say that now you have salvation. You have, salvation is Jesus himself. How do you experience it? You experience it by faith in him. God has become a human being. Divinity and humanity is now possible. We can now have the life of God in us. And we can be in God. That is salvation. And he's using this language of eating and, and, and drinking his flesh and blood. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in him. So this morning I said that they should put the Holy Communion before us. We're not having Holy Communion, but I want us to picture this. Because the truth that I believe we're talking about and what goes on when we gather for the Lord's Supper is not just... Uh, just commemoration of something the Lord talked about. We are declaring what Christianity is all about. Our lives and God's life have been united together in Jesus and that has implications for everything. So what does he mean? Uh, what does he mean by this? Well, let me put the question in a different way. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it actually mean to be a Christian? Now, let me tell you what it doesn't mean to be a Christian. This is what it doesn't mean to be a Christian. To be a Christian does not mean improving on your behavior through depending on yourself. That is not what it means to be a Christian. Any human being at all can try hard and put some principles in place to improve on their behavior. Otherwise, we wouldn't have successful businesses run by non-Christians. You can improve on your behavior. You can, you can have a better attitude towards time and towards people for productivity and so on and so forth. Christianity talks about something more glorious, far incomparably better. So it doesn't mean that. To be a Christian does not mean being the better of yourself. Being the better me. No, that's not what Christianity is. Any human being at all can try by applying 12 keys to successful living and become the better of themselves. To be a Christian does not 
mean stopping certain behavior so that God will bless me in return. That is not what it means to be a Christian. That is paganism. That is trying to buy God's blessings by your behavior. That is not what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is not to be morally decent. I, I wish that we move away from the idea that morally decent people is like the preserve of Christians. No. There are good people who are non-Christians. So let's get that right. What does it then mean to be a Christian? Let me put it quite simply in what the Lord is saying in John. To be a Christian means that to become one with Jesus. And that is only possible by faith in Jesus. Now that has implications for everything. If we think that that is just head knowledge, that is just something that oh, we believe and we have ticket to heaven, you've missed it. It will change everything. It changes everything. The minutest part of our lives are changed because of that. To be a Christian is to be one with Jesus. What does it mean? To be a Christian is for your life and Jesus' life to be brought in. And I, will, I don't want to go ahead of myself. Have you realized, for those of you who, I hope, read your Bible, and when you read your Bible, you read the Old Testament as well. Have you realized that in the Old Testament language, there is this language about God coming to dwell amongst his people. And in Ezekiel, the promise of the Holy Spirit coming to dwell inside his people. What do you think is going on there? That is exactly what is fulfilled in Jesus. Now God has come to dwell amongst his people. And his people have his spirit indwelling them. There is something about God and us coming together in salvation. And that is only possible in Jesus Christ. No other place. We were talking about people arguing that, look at all the world religions. Are you trying to say that it's only Christianity? Well, we're not trying to say that it's only Christianity. We are, we're trying to say that, and we're saying that it is only in Christ. So when Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life, he is not putting himself like, I am the first one, I'm the best one. It is impossible to actually have any fellowship with God, be reconciled to him, apart from Jesus. The Christian is a Christian because Christ dwells in them by faith. And brothers and sisters, we are on a journey. That will change everything. When we come to sanctification, oh, what a glorious thing. My hope is that this morning as we hear this, it moves us to rejoice and to worship God and to praise him that he did this. What is humanly impossible is what he has done. Jesus says, whoever receives Jesus by faith, feeds and drinks on the whole of Christ, they will have eternal life because their lives will be intimately united with that of Christ. Their lives will be in Jesus and Jesus' life will be in them. Now, okay, let's come home. You have heard the saying, particularly a passage that is uh, usually preached at weddings. Paul takes it. It's from Genesis. And Paul takes it and said, in fact, the Lord Jesus also uh, takes it in some ways. For this reason, Ephesians 5, 
a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. And the two will become one flesh. If you are thinking anything, Paul says that this is a profound mystery. Not that you can't know it. Mystery is something that apart from God's help, you can't know. So the mystery is revealed now. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. He said that if you look at the husband and the wife, united man and a woman, they have become one flesh. If you look at that, actually think about Christ and the church. What is the implication? The most intimate of human relationships, marriage, actually reflects the intimate relationship that Christians have with their Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. By implication, it means the Christian and the Christian community, they are united. Have you, do you realize that the church is referred to as the bride of Christ? Why do you think he does that? Because he wants us to think about this. When you see the picture of marriage, he wants us to think about the relationship we have with Jesus. United one flesh with him. What does he mean? Let's, let's take a few steps. What does he really mean by being united with Jesus in salvation? What does he really mean? I'll point out a few. There is a lot. And we can spend eternity trying to dig this. But let me point out a few. Number one. What does it mean to be united with Jesus in salvation? It means that when Jesus died on the cross, by faith in him, you, if you are a Christian, you die to your old self. In Christ, the wages of sin, which is death, in his death and by faith in him is paid for. So it is in, in Christ. You see, the Lord says that whoever sinned must die. The wages of sin is death. That will not change. God will not compromise that because he is holy. How can he love us and still have this sin paid for? Christ died. And when we trust in him and our lives are united with him, it is as if we have died and have been buried. And therefore, God's justice is preserved. Sin is paid for. Our sin is paid for. So it is not like Christ goes to die. We stand here and then he comes to tell us, oh, I've gone to die for you. Would you receive something? No. By faith in him, we are buried with him. Hence baptism. We're buried with him. We died with him. That is what it means. In his death, we experience his death. The death because of our sin. Christ didn't need to die. He died because God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Not that Christ got angry or and sinned, but God treated him as sin for us so that in him, in him, we will become the righteousness of God. That, that's what it means to be united, to become one flesh with him. And listen to what Paul says in um, um, Galatians 2.20. He's basically taking what the Lord Jesus has said and he's teaching it. I have been crucified, listen, with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. 
and I no longer live, old self dead. But Christ lives in me, within me. The life I now live in the body, this life, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does it mean to be united with Christ? It means that when Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised. That is why Christianity is not just moral improvement. It is new creation. Completely new. New creation. All died. You cannot improve yourself enough to be accepted by God. You've got to die and be raised from the dead and become new creation and live new creation life. New creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you see? If anyone is where? In Christ. New creation. The old has gone, the new is come, is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself. Where? In Christ not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. All these blessings that we talk about that are of Jesus are inaccessible except that we are united with him by faith. Got to be in him. There is no other way. There is no human being. There is no prophet. It's got to be in Jesus. It's got to be in Jesus. And what does it mean? It means that Christ has become, by faith in him, the source of your life and activities. It's staggering. I've been thinking about this, and this morning I was asking Enoch to pray for me because I was so scared I might not be able to communicate this well. And I tell you, I'll still not be able to communicate it well, but I'll try. When we are in Christ... My life, your life as a Christian, and your life's activities, everything is lived in Christ. You see the implications as we journey along in the course of the week. Everything that you are and all that you do is in Christ. Apart from being united with him by faith, we are simply, no matter how decent we are, we are simply before God rebels who are awaiting the sentence of his judgment. And listen to what the Lord Jesus says. John 15, 4 and 5. Remain in me. This is not advice. He's Remain in me as I also remain in you. Mutual indwelling. Remain in me and I remain in you. How is that possible? You remain, he's talking about union together. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Life's activities. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What does it mean to be united to Jesus in salvation by faith? 
It means Christ is our new identity. A lot of the times, a lot of our toil in this world is identity formation. We're trying to create and form our own identity, whether by our family name or by the people we know. So even sometimes when you are not very important, you say that, oh, I have a friend who does this or that or that. Or my friend is a minister of state in charge of who cares? <laughs> but what is going on underneath is I'm propping up my self-image. I'm showing how important. I'm in some ways carving out an identity for myself. I want to build identity in something. It can be my work. It can be my marriage. It can be anything. But when we are in Christ, the reason why we rejoice for the gift of marriage and the gift of work and the gift of all that, and yet do not form our identity in them, is that it will be, it will be denying your real identity. Our real identity is in Jesus. Jesus gives us the identity. Christ is our identity. That's why we call Christians Christians. That name was given to them as a, a name to put them down. But actually, the Lord used it. That's why we call that. That's our identity. That's who I am in Christ. And what is happening is that we are constantly wrestling with our old um, place where we formed our identity. That's why the Christian life is a, is a struggle. And we'll talk about that later. But we, we struggle because we want to form identity in our ministry. And um, the bigger the ministry, the more important I feel, the smaller, the less esteem I have, and all these other things that go on. There is a constant struggle. And then we fall on Jesus by his grace, and we come back and to who we really are in him as a result of the Holy Communion. We know who we are if you are in Christ, don't you? You are a person who is loved by the Father as much as he loves Jesus. Can you think about it? If you are in Christ, I know you don't believe it. I know. I struggle to believe it too. That God loves me because I am in Christ as much as he loves Jesus. God loves me as much as he loves the Lord Jesus. God the Father loves me in Christ as much as he loves Jesus. This is what it also means to be united in Jesus. It means sin is a contradiction, isn't it? Now, let me explain what I mean by sin is a contradiction. Being in Christ means that we are no longer under the power of sin. Now, let's get the difference. We struggle with sin, but we are no longer under the power of sin. We are under the power of the Spirit of Jesus. At first, sin ruled over me. I was enslaved to sin. But now through Christ, by my union with him, in faith, I wrestle with sin. Now I can stand, no matter how many times sin may knock me down, 
in Christ, he lifts me up and I wrestle with sin. In the same way that I wrestle with the powers of darkness, as Paul will talk about in Ephesians. Sin, bring it on. Sin in me, sin without. And we are going to wrestle. The Christian life, when we say it's a wrestling, it's a struggle, it means that. It means sin wants to put me down so that I'll remain there and sin will put its chains on me again. And I am enslaved. And in order to feel better about myself, I call it I am addicted. Oh, I have this addiction. You don't have any addiction. You've got to get up and wrestle if you are a child of God, if you are in Christ because of your The Lord Jesus Christ supplies. And the way we wrestle with sin is through repentance and faith. Repentance means we change our mind, we turn from as much as we know of ourselves, as J.I. Parker puts it. And then we turn to as much as we know of Christ. And then we embrace him. And we depend on him. And we ask Jesus for help. And we depend on him. We never depend on ourselves. And so to settle for sin, to settle, to become enslaved by sin, by any form of sin of heart or behavioral sin is such a contradiction to our identity in Jesus. We never reach the point of becoming sinlessly perfect, yet we struggle every day through repentance and faith. This is also true. It means that union with Christ also means that fear of Satan and satanic forces of darkness is also a contradiction. How can you be in Christ and be seated with him in the heavenly places, far above all rules and powers and authorities and every name that could be named and still be afraid of Satan? I mean, how does that work? We are miracle workers when we do that. We, 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 we do the impossible. Yes, we will wrestle with Satan. He will try to deceive us. And sometimes we are deceived, but we turn to Jesus, the truth, and he enlightens us, and we get up and we struggle in Jesus. It doesn't have to be outside of him. It has to be always trusting in Jesus. This is a lot, but I'm about to finish, so you'll be happy to know. <laughs> Being in Christ also means this. It means our sufferings are never wasted. Those who are in Christ, our sufferings, our sufferings, whether as Christians going about our normal work and duty or as missionaries that the Lord has placed his hand upon you and called, our sufferings are never wasted. It is through our suffering that we begin to experience what it means to actually die every day as the Lord through suffering, brings out our weaknesses and works on them and we die to self and then we experience the resurrection life every day. I want to know Christ, Paul says. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I dare say that we won't actually grow in our becoming like Christ in our union with him unless also in his love he takes us through suffering. 
You don't want to hear that. So let me try to finish. Let me get back to the passage we started with. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. So let me finish up with a question. I like to ask questions like this when I'm preaching. What should we do in the light of being in Christ? What should we do? Christians are people who are in Christ. What should we do in the light of being in Christ by faith in Christ? Brothers and sisters, I want you to understand this as we go out of this door. By faith in Jesus, we have become, I know I've said it many times, but please let me repeat, we have become one with him. That is who we are. You just, just let it sink in. I, the reason I don't own my body is because it is united with someone else. I'm married to Jesus by faith. That's who I am. That is who I am. There is something about getting married and taking on your husband's name. It doesn't mean your wife's dad's name or family name was terrible. You don't want it. No. Actually, oh, it doesn't mean that name is inferior. There is something about reenacting the gospel in that. When uh, Gifty changed her name, for those of you who don't know, Gifty is my wife, changed her name from Gifty Ejane Frama, and then she became Gifty Boatin. I don't even understand what Boatin means. But when I think about that, I see we taking on Christ's identity and being referred to as Christians, Christians, people of God, people of the way, as the people of old were called, our ancestors were called. We are intimately connected to Jesus, with Jesus, by faith. It means that Christ is ours. When you walk out of the door, Christ is yours and you are Christ. Christ is mine and I am Christ. It also means all the benefits, all the benefits of Christ are ours by faith in him. Uh, now we experience it partially. When he returns on that day, when he raised them up, he says, we will experience it in full. His transforming powers, power is ours. It changes us. His suffering is ours. And ours his. Can you imagine, when you are, if you are suffering, you are not alone. He is with you in it because you are in him and he is in you. So, hear me rehearse these things. Because you are in Christ, depend on Christ every day. Because you are in Christ, listen to Christ every day through his holy word. Because you are in him. Don't listen to anybody. Because you are in Christ, call on him every day. Because you are in Christ, understand every day that you have a new identity. Live it. 
Because you are in Christ, God the Father, I've said this already, loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Because you are in Christ, you are God's beloved child. Because you are in Christ, you are welcome and cherished. And so when we feed on Jesus every day, when we drink his blood, it means that we are going deeper and deeper into him. It means that we are experiencing true life. And let me talk to those of us who may not be in Christ. You're not a Christian. I hope yet. For those who cannot say that you are in Christ, it means you are not experiencing true life, real life, eternal life, the life of God. What makes us truly human? It means that you are not really living. I don't care how successful you are economically or financially or educationally or your family name. It means that you probably are embarking on self-improvement. There is better life for you. You can have a new identity that even overcomes death. The identity of belonging to Jesus and being found in him. So let's finish up with this reading. Listen very carefully. Look out for the in, with, through. In, with, through. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined destined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the time reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing an inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Our Father, it's so difficult communicating some of these things because 
in the scriptures and in our union with Christ by faith, you are revealing the endless, eternal treasure into which you have invited us to participate, to share in your very life and blessing. Oh, help us to rejoice in this. Help us to grasp it, however impartial, however weak. But definitely help us to rejoice in this. To look forward to seeing our lives truly changed by the power of the Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.